Welcome back to Whack or Slaps, where we look back into the annals of 2000s indie music to determine if an album or band or, or an even an entire musical movement was actually good or just a product of the hype machine of its time. Like all great podcasts, this is the direct spinoff of an unhinged group text amongst friends that still hasn't died. And if anything, gets weirder and weirder by the day. And uh, yeah, so having said all of that, welcome back. It's been a while. Uh, let's meet the guys who taught me how to do the Vox Trot. Hey, I'm Noah. I'm the number one Zubano fan. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm <laughs> I'm Adrian. I'm your friendly neighborhood producer. And I'm Caleb, your host. The number two Zimpano fan. Yeah. <laughs> That's all the number fans. one. Noah's the fan club leader. I'm the street team guy. I'm more of an evaporators guy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into the uh the deep, deep history of uh Western Canadian uh indie pop later. <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah, it's been a while, everyone. Thanks for bearing with us. Uh we're doing some transitions and things. I finally have a new studio that I'm recording out of, so stoked about that. And uh yeah, I hope uh, you guys found other podcasts to listen to or albums to catch up on for that month-long break or whatever but yeah we're happy to be back and uh recording yeah. new episodes again well we took the month off because we had to we couldn't cross the picket line we had to wait for pitchfork to get unionized yeah that's true breaking news yeah, they uh they were recognized so good job solidarity solidarity forever so what are they making like 12 cents more per word or something <laughs> yeah, they went guys. from uh 35 to 40 yeah, they, yeah i think their model is like the old pay by the word like the, i didn't <laughs> ask really kowtow to that because they used to do it during the great depression since you know this is, let's be honest the second great depression we're living in um <laughs> all right today, yeah speaking of great depression what are we doing today noah what album we got the new pornographers and their album Twin Cinema from 2005 their sophomore album actually uh, third record oh yeah shit I their forget second about... sophomore album <laughs> their junior <laughs> album i always forget about that second one Which really one is... remember they had the three that were like a uh, adjective noun adjective noun adjective noun yeah yeah, but uh, it's kind of anyways, that second one would be electric version. Yeah, mm. the little monkey and the More like electric shit. virgin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Who's well, into that shit? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Adrian, what did uh, Pitchfork have to say about the uh, 2005 album Twin Cinema by the new pornographers? Yeah, they uh, they gave it a 9.0. So, you know, fairly good. Hi. It got a best new music. Uh, it was reviewed by our old pal Rob Mitchum. He's uh, back. I, Love uh, and hate, baby. <laughs> Out of the past, baby. I actually thought this was a pretty decent review. Beef, considering the, what's for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> considering the era of Pitchfork this was in, this is actually a pretty straightforward and, and pretty good review. It was very uh, effusive with praise. But I pulled a little excerpt from the, from the kind of wrap-up paragraph at the end here that I think kind of sums up 
not only the record, but sort of where the band was at this moment in time. At their core, the songs of Twin Cinema have that catchy, melodic something that forces me to reach repeatedly for the P word. But for Newman & Co., instant hummability isn't the end point, but the foundation. Whether it's weaving in opaque, double-meaning lyrics or sneaking a horn part way deep in the mix, the compositions on Twin Cinema are immediate yet multi-layered. They'd be great in their own right, but by comparison to the plagiaristic, closed-minded, infinitely repeating world of power pop, it's all the more special and accomplishment. So pretty, pretty, you know, pretty good praise there. I think that this is, this is speaking to exactly where the band was at this time. Actually, I'm glad that you brought up their second record, Noah, because I think before this, they had a very distinct sound. And this, this is kind of a transitional record where they're, they're kind of building, bringing more Baroque elements and, and kind of expanding their, their palette a bit. But I only have a little bit of album background for, for this, but then unless you wanted to get into what was their deal, Caleb? Yeah. I mean, we yeah. kind of mentioned earlier, they're, they're a super group, right? Were they a super group at this point or is it kind of one of those like yeah, post facto? They, they started as a super group, I would say. Okay. okay. That's kind of what their intention around bringing them all together was. Yeah, so they're, you know, from Vancouver area, right? Western Canada. Um, shout out to Pacific Northwest. And yeah, I think they came from a bunch of bands. Um, of kind of, you know, of a sound, you know, a lot of just like clever songwriters, kind of the lighter side of indie, you know, the, the pop and power pop kind of scenes. And um, yeah, I would even say they're like big, big, band, big band indie too. I think they uh, kind of fit within that milieu mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they got members like uh, Air Conditioning Newman, um, <laughs> the dude from that movie with Nicole Kidman. Um, you got uh, Nick from the Velvet Underground. She's in that. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, it's a who's who. Of, some heavy hitters. Yeah, some very, very heavy hitters. But um, yeah, I'm sure we'll get into that more with the history yeah. and as we as we talk about how we all feel about it and where we I think their deal from. is just their deal is they're continuing the legacy of power pop which is kind of a vague term but i think as far as indie goes you know i think i mean i think the preeminent power pop band now is like weezer i guess so they're like not too far mm. from that realm but like at the are time, they, are they more pop though? Weezer now? Are they just officially pop? I don't know. Yeah, probably. But I think like bands that started in the two thousands that are like we're power pop, they're probably like equally influenced by Weezer as they yeah. are by say like Cheap Trick or if you want to go back further, like, like the, the Nas. Yeah, yeah, Nas or I would say the Cars probably huge. On yeah, well, things. I mean that's the Weezer connection too with the Rick Ocasek yep. like production yeah. shit. But... You also had at the time there's bands like Fountains of Wayne, uh, Rooney. <laughs> oh uh, boy, <laughs> uh, Best Coast I think would fall under power pop. It's kind of like power pop yeah. is just polished garage rock. Yeah, 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 in a way, and it's kind of like a post facto term. It's kind of just like a something that doesn't fit squarely it's not like some outsider music or whatever but it's like yeah i don't know coined, there's a lot of room in that tent yeah absolutely it was coined by uh, um pete townsend of the who yeah he, he totally. said that they were power pop but and... then but but the power pop that we kind of think of 70s it was all the bands that were like filling the gap post the Beatles breaking up, I think. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yep. They were like they were like their 
Towns Beatles or whatever. And then they're like a little, little bit more emphasis on production. And but then the whole live music explosion happened and like arenas could get packed and fucking all that. So then they're like, oh, we have that kind of have these big propulsive sounds as well. And then kind of like emulate that, you know, live with all the, you know, kind of lofty aspirations that we have with how we what produce you, things. Do you guys like power pop? Let me just throw that out there right now. I don't think that I do. I like Big Star, and um, mm. I think at their heart, the Drive-By Truckers are actually a power pop band. Um, mm. They're like a yeah, southern power Americana. pop band in a way. Yeah, so those two bands I'm, I'm really big on, but other than that, I, I wouldn't say. I think it's, I don't know. I think it's one of those things. It's just like I don't really have much energy to dive into it <laughs> and the most i've ever learned about power pop and the most you can ever learn about power pop is shout out to tom sharpling on the best show the collins with uh, john wooster the uh, several characters will talk about the lore of power pop 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 uh who's like one of their characters and uh how deep john wooster's characters are able to go on power pop is like pretty amazing yeah. so i mean it's super know, that's kind of my references with it the super chump power pop i would yeah, say yeah. yeah yeah they fit they yeah. definitely if not they're very you know yeah influential i'm kind of the genre i'm kind of shocked that john wooster is not playing the drums on this album honestly <laughs> <laughs> it seems like right up his alley. you think he'd slot in yeah i mean he could yeah he could slot he could right make in. make a trip to canada that's true <laughs> that's true all right. All right. Well, to answer your question, though, I I actually do like power pop. I've always really liked power pop. I think maybe I wouldn't have vocalized that when we were like in high school or whatever. But it always something. You you know, I always ass liked... kicked if you. <laughs> well, it's not like one of those well, things I mean, where you're like, I'm a power pop guy. Yeah, like, that was exactly. It was but, just like those are fighting words. Genre. You, get, yeah. you get a fucking wedgie for that. But like, like you know, are you a punk or you a normie? What are you? I, yeah, right. Well, I, you know, back then I did, I, you know, I would listen to the classic rock radio and I would listen to the cars and whatever was on there. And I, you know, Cheap Trick, as you mentioned and stuff. And I, I liked it, you know, I yeah, think I like Cheap Trick. I think a lot of it put as just being a guitar player that was influenced by a lot of like, you know, that stuff. And, and I think that that comes full circle now, actually a little tease for, for my uh, current listening. But, you know, as I get back into guitar, I'm really appreciating it more. But I've always really really liked power pop as as you know the bands that we mentioned uh there's a lot of you know crappy power pop or stuff that's just like as you like flat fountains away for instance yeah could like, definitely really be have a knack for the knack a little bit know? more throwaway yeah right exactly kind of novelty kind of i don't know when that guy flat. from fountains of wayne died i didn't realize how many fans of fountains of wayne there were people were talking about that guy like he was fucking bob dylan like, <laughs> yeah. like he, well, he was such were... a great songwriter because he what because he wrote the fucking song from the uh the tom do? hanks movie that thing you do <laughs> what? Hey, that's tom hanks first... directorial debut baby <laughs> i would say the first couple of their records are, are the wonders are a great power pop band i don't the know the first couple wonders records i totally agree <laughs> <laughs> they're a joke band no um it became more of a novelty band. Shout out to Jen, on, my sure. wife. She liked uh, Fountains of Wayne, like, but she would like tell me about like, oh no, they have these other albums that are different. They're like, 
yeah, kind of more like straightforward power pop, less like yeah, it's just like a more classic. Fountains of Wayne. Weird to say underground for... power pop, but I guess that exists. I don't know when the whole idea is yeah. to be pop. I think Fountains of Wayne are for like kids that like didn't have friends that were in like punk bands, so they like <laughs> they never got into punk. And it's yeah, like this is as close little, as I get. That's the thing though. Like, safer, a, a little more. I think a lot of people do get into power pop through punk though, and then they like yeah, you know think how many kids you knew who were like indie yeah. kids or punk kids, and then they're like fucking oh dude, have you heard? fucking nick Lowe or whatever right. all right you well, that's think more like elvis costello rock. and shit is also like a way pub to rock, get into yeah. power pop through like you know harder genres like punk or whatever power but, pub yeah but then you got like i don't know i mean honestly huey lewis in the news would you consider them pop or is that more power pop i consider that uh, uh power soul because they're, 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 they're like white trash. boy soul they're like northern soul <laughs> consider Marin that county Marin County garbage. Throw it in the fucking <laughs> bay and let it sink to the bottom of the ocean. No, they're all right. They're yeah. harmless. Exactly. They're harmless. <laughs> they're harmless. I, think, I think that's the best thing you could say about Power Pop is it's harmless. harmless. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I just, I've always appreciated that stuff. And it was always, you know, I always knew that it was kind of cheesy. But then as you're mentioning, yeah, certainly like Nick Lowe and, and uh, some of the more, um, European influence that were influenced by the Europeans that were influenced by American music. You know, I love all that stuff too. You know, Jesus of Cool is a really fantastic yeah. record, as in, you know, and it's definitely in the same milieu as like you know any of these other things. So another one, dude, I really like is Todd Rundgren, and I think he definitely could slot into the the power pop. I mean, he he had oh, some definite yeah. pop hits for sure, but a couple of yeah. those '70s records were just pure his, genius. You know, his through, through. I think his production kind of that pristine precise production is kind of the template for power pop yeah but it yeah, also like drives like, home like i guess heavy hitting guitars and like kind of more but slightly more rock aggressive yeah. straightforward kind of looser instrumentation but if you like google like just a quick google search of power pop like the ramones will pop up so like yeah there mm. there is always a connection yeah, and what I really like about Todd Rungard is he's just like a really modest guy. He doesn't think he, <laughs> he doesn't think he has any sort of status or importance within the history of music. If you ever hear interviews with him, he just he completely knows his place and doesn't tout his own ego. He's a good guy. He he raised yeah. Liv Tyler for Christ's sake. Yeah, and he's a huge yeah. Melt Banana fan. He cleaned so. up. He cleaned up oh, fucking yeah. Steven Tyler's mess. Recorded that. Raised uh, his daughter. Recorded that seminal. Um, uh, uh XTC record Skylarking, yeah. Oh, right? shit. See, dude, there you go. See, the, you want to talk about a power pop band, power pop that fucking pop. record, yeah. The, that's like the pop. that's the weird, it's like post power pop, <laughs> like, yeah, it's the weird, like, Venn diagram yeah. of power pop, post pop, new age. I got that on vinyl, yeah. I got there's that on definitely vinyl threads too. between all of that, yeah. For sure, I got that on vinyl yeah, too. I kind need of more to... dirial pop stuff too. I need to dust that off. I came home the uh, not too long ago, and Kiki was blasting um, XTC. What's that album? Exodus or no? What the hell is it called? Oh no, not Exodus. I think there's a song called Exodus. But is that the one Eng where they're all just like submarine. No, people? no, English Settlement. Hmm. And I was like, "Whoa, you found this record deep in the collection." I was like, "Fuck, I forgot about this." It's like I'm gonna start at the end. So we'll just see what we got in the X's. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, um, I think that more than covers the the new pornos deal. Oh, their name is that is that 
in your research, Adrian? Yeah, so how, the how new they got their cool name, name. I didn't include it in my notes, but it's actually it comes from the aforementioned AC Newman, although I think when he's with these guys, he's plain old Carl Newman. Who calls um, into the best show as well. Carl Newman. Uh, yeah, follow him on Twitter. He's a good follow. Um, but he came up with it after he watched, uh, I believe it was a Japanese movie called The Pornographers, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he, you know, he just appended new on there. And uh, there you go. He got a, yeah. a pretty classic indie rock band name, I'd say, The New Pornographers. Yeah, it's evocative. Um, Jen's mom once found a CD and she's like, what is this? Oh. <laughs> this sort of porno rock. Dude, my buddy, Maddie from Texas. Actually, I told him I'd give him a shout out on this episode. <laughs> Um, he he had the same story. Thirsty where, much? Yeah. <laughs> shout out, Maddie. Well, uh, for a dollar on our Patreon, we'll give you a shout out. Oh yeah, I'll give anyone <laughs> a shout out. I'll give Ben Shapiro a shout out if yeah, you give me a dollar. Give, we don't give, give a fuck. I'll give Hitler a shout out for a dollar. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! Okay, uh, for a kroner or what do they have in Germany? Um, but he said the same thing where his he had like on his like. Uh, like his iTunes or something. She just saw new pornographers and she thought he like downloaded porn on his iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> and he's also, he's a Texas dude. So maybe Texas. It doesn't down. take a lot to shock the Texans. Yeah. But uh, anyways, let's hear the history of this and let's give a rundown of the, the members too, just to, just to fill in the, the whole uh, super group. You got about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, just the heavy hitters. I'll yeah. I'll run down the 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 crew that was on this record. How about that? Um, yeah, the top of the yeah. line guys. Let's give a little, give a little rundown. I'll go, okay. Well, I ha- I have that in my notes here. We'll get Conies to that in Conies. a second. Yeah, um, give a rundown. <laughs> let's start off with the uh, with the uh, a little bit of history here. Recorded from November two thousand four to April two thousand five. This is the band's third record, as we mentioned before. It was produced by the the band's bassist John Collins, along with his producing partner David Carswell. Uh, they're known as JCDC when they're producing together, which is you know classic punny name. But they also have produced tons of records coming out of Vancouver. You know, Tegan and Sarah, Stars, Destroyer, a bunch of stuff that you probably have heard or heard of at least. It was released by Matador Records on August 23rd, 2005. It's their second record for Matador. Uh, Can we get a sound drop for Matador? Like a cool, like, Spanish flamenco. Ole. (laughs) I can't make the sound, but that'd be cool. Something that evokes, like, some bullfighting. Is this, and I was thinking about this, is this our first Matador Records album? It, it, insanely enough, after 15 episodes, I think it is. Wow. Yeah, because they're you know, especially at this time, we've done Domino, gigantic. We've done Domino, done the Jaguar. We've probably done DFA, Canadian. We've probably done Panzerfaust. We've done a bunch we've of them, but done... surprisingly, we haven't hit Matador. And I know that they've put out tons of records this time that we were all listening to. What's that one it's... labeled like Slippery Possum? Oh, Fat Possum. Fat Possum. Did you do Fat Possum? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Probably. Uh, well, we did kind of mention them, I think, when we did uh, the AC episodes. Uh, maybe. I, well, anyways, they they were on uh, Fat Possum for, for a period of time. But anyways, continue. Uh, this release follows this kind of the solo success of, of the, the members. As we mentioned, they are a Canadian supergroup. 
I think the most prominent members here are are Nico Case, who is a singer songwriter. Um, around this time, she had released uh, Furnace Room Lullaby and Blacklisted, both of which were were pretty good, you know, records that put her on the map, basically. Um, Carl Classics. Newman, yeah, for sure, uh, great, great records. Carl Newman had put out The Slow Wonder as AC Newman, uh, yeah. which is another really, really great record. Super, super good. Uh, and then Dan Dan Behar, uh, better known as Destroyer or as member a Destroyer. member of the band Destroyer. But he had just put out uh, a couple of records, Street Hawker Seduction and uh, the MIDI uh, influence record, Your Blues, both of which Classic. were got you know pretty decent critical acclaim um although your blues was kind of uh, i think a little misunderstood at the time but um it's been reclaimed you know, though right i think I all think so. of destroyer shit has the guys yeah. kind of can do no wrong in some circles yeah i still yeah. follow him he's one he's probably the only guy in this group that i still follow same and i actually saw them he i think I believe that Destroyer was the last band I saw before all of the all of the lockdowns and everything happened. So Wait, what, I've been going to shows for like years straight. I haven't missed any shows. What, what happened? What do you mean? <laughs> oh, you might want to Google uh, Caleb. Uh, oh, Caleb that's the does. problem. I only have um, what's it? Um, Bing or uh, <laughs> does, Buena Vista or whatever it's called. Those Instagram live shows don't count as like actual shows. <laughs> Um, I've been going to a lot of compound shows in like Idaho and stuff. <laughs> you know the the good states well, where we don't everything's follow done the, right. The rules, man. This uh, is America. I wanna... We're getting derailed already. We haven't missed a beat by missing all the beats. Exactly. <laughs> we still got um, it, baby. But to give a rundown of some of the rest of the members, uh, the aforementioned John Collins, the bassist, who was a producer extraordinaire, produced tons of uh, classic Vancouver records. Blaine Thurier, who's their keyboardist, uh, synthesizer player. He's mostly known for, for being in the New Pornographers. Um, second guitarist, Todd Fancy, uh, who's also Ooh. in Limb Lifter, which I'm not familiar with too much, but they're another Vancouver band. And then Catherine Calder, who was a member of Immaculate Machine. So a bunch of, you know, Vancouver heavy hitters, basically. They, and I think they had originally got together basically as just a you know an excuse to hang out and you know it definitely feels much more of a as like a collective than a band kind of similar to Broken Social Scene. Um, although I think over time they've coalesced into more of a you know a straightforward beef <laughs> as opposite like ends of the beef, Canadians. They'd like they would like East <laughs> yeah. Coast West Coast kind of thing as much as. Like, you know, as much of a as like much as 90s. Canadians can have beef, they probably did. <laughs> they didn't have beef so much as they had Canadian bacon. That's what oh. they call beef up there. It's <laughs> actually not true. It's a pork product. <laughs> I know, but that's what they call it instead of beef. Yeah. They call it. They didn't have like the uh, what do they call the the Juno Awards? You never had like uh, fucking <laughs> like, AC. To, Nobody's like he's like come to secretly Canadian or come like, to Matador. like come to Matador West Side Best Side. <laughs> you never got any of that. And then you never had like the other dudes uh, over there on the your Kevin or whatever. I'll have to the Matador uh, guy named Colin something. Oh, dog, it escapes me right now. Like, but um, Colin Hormrin glasses. He there was never like stage. a version of He's like, like coming Matador all yeah. in the, <laughs> all on the chorus, all on the harmonies. 
All on uh, the Mellotron. <laughs> Chris All Lombardi the... <laughs> and Ger- Gerard Cosley. Cosley. Yeah, Gerard. So yeah, they had they had made a couple of records before this. They and then they had you know obviously gone on to do their solo stuff and and tour and support all that. Um, but eventually they came back together in in late two thousand four to record this record. And you know honestly, that's about all I have. I don't have too much info on. on I assume it's, it was recorded in Vancouver because it was recorded by JCDC. Um, they they owned a studio there, which I the name escapes me at the moment. But that can't um, be cheap. I think it was called Hoser Studios. <laughs> um, but they recorded a lot of stuff there. Uh, and then when it was released, it did re- um, receive a lot of critical acclaim. It landed on a lot of best of you know best of the year lists uh, for 2005. It was included on Pitchfork's best of 2000s list, where it slotted in at 150. Uh, I think it was on their best of the, you know, the the Northwest music. You know, some I think it was like 15 or something. That was so, a good list, actually. I I thoroughly yeah, enjoyed that list. Good if playlist anyone... too, if you can seek it out on yes. Spotify. This is yeah. not SwanCon. Cool I'm list. Saying that independently. Cool list. You could have just had all like 100 of uh, Built to Spill songs and called it good, though. <laughs> yeah, Interior Pack Northwest. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the that... Midwest? What is Idaho? Idaho is in the western United States. It borders Washington and Oregon. I don't want to know. Nevada. <laughs> That's um, the reason why I built the spill was on that list. <laughs> uh, but but that's really all I have. I think you know, I think we've covered it pretty much, but yeah, truly this is just uh, you know, kind of a transitional record for them. I think they'd go on to become a little bit more baroque a little bit more expansive but this is kind of the the best middle ground between sort of the the more rock and stuff of their earlier material and the the kind of more um orchestrated stuff of their later material where they would you know throw in strings and horns and stuff do you think on the the album that came out after that they're like all right let's do this let's go for baroque baby (laughs) (laughs) i don't i think it was definitely a reaction to the success of this record i'll say that Dude, this record sold a hundred and I think it was a hundred and thirty-six thousand copies in the United States, and as of twenty ten, yeah, and it only sold thirty thousand in Canada. How the Uh, fuck twenty thousand? How did that happen? Is that in Canadian numbers? Is there ratio? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, just yeah, that's actually thirty thousand is also in their own form of (laughs) metric. The conversion (laughs) works differently. They must have just got them for free in Canada, like when you went to school. Yeah, so it's, it's like, like with your healthcare and healthcare. Your they're stuff. like, here you go, here's a copy of Twin Cinema. Like we're National Pride. They do like do, do they fund the arts a lot too? So maybe they were they underwritten. Do. Now yeah. you guys mentioned the the name New Pornographers. Um, that movie. What's I? I haven't seen that movie, but I I heard it's really good. That director, that Japanese director. Is that, that one of those made, movies you got to read? While you watch it yeah isn't that guy's <laughs> name like nikio nirse or something but he, that dude actually i think made real porno back in the day before he became a director but but i heard that the name derived from like what's that religious dude jerry Fal- it's like a jerry faldo some sort of like culture warrior he, said he that said rock that and roll is was the new, the new pornography yeah. right sorry i didn't mean to mm. but i guess it's both it's probably both interesting uh yeah the, the stuff i got the from what i understand it it 
that's it was from that movie but uh who knows i'm sure it was all in there you know i heard both at some point um, what if too. jerry falwell just heard this album and he's like music is the new pornographers and he was actually just a fan yeah like, music <laughs> is the new pornographer or imagine if you were so enraptured by religion that you heard this album and it sounded like what like other people hear when they hear like slayer or like whatever like oh yeah. my god if you got scandalized by this and thought this was like <laughs> some sort of uh singing about profane uh, rock and roll there's a woman like, named jackie she's dressed in cobras you know what a cobra is that's a penis it's, it's a serpent <laughs> It's a double entendre. Bones of an idol. Bones of an idol. That's idolatry. <laughs> yeah. uh, shout out Jerry Faldo. I'm glad you're dead. Oh, he did kick the bucket. Yep. And now we're just waiting on his uh, old junior to follow him into the void. I think he's a little busy with his uh, pool boy, but, you know. Yeah, he's getting real busy with his new pornos. <laughs> all right what's next all right so we've talked about their history let's talk about our own histories okay. so uh i can start off i could talk about how this album came to my life um yeah let her rip the reason i need to do that is because i need to issue a on the spot correction hmm. um i didn't shut the doors and apparently jen was listening and she said she only liked the fountains of wayne prior to stacy's mom three exclamation of points of course jen, please clarify of course jen we didn't give you a little more credit than that so that was a that was a, a clarification yeah and the, the reason i bring her important. up is is because uh that was very important and um that video is very important the days of pre-wi-fi yeah you know you had to make <laughs> make do with what you had too yeah oh yeah what's her face um wasn't it the same woman from like the Enema of the State album? No, no, wasn't no, that it was Jennifer It was uh, Stifler's mom, right? What's her face? It wasn't was Jennifer it? Coolidge. Jennifer no. Coolidge? No, no, it was oh, it was that it was that model that was married to Mick Jagger, right? Jerry. <sighs> no. Paul. Damn, Paul would have, have been like in we need a Google 60s. boy. We need a what? <laughs> Can we get an Rogers. intern here? Jamie, look that up. <laughs> it's like google or anyways we'll uh we'll look that up on the back end but good good clap back jen keep that full in check yeah thanks for keeping me in check always but um it was I, rachel I, I, hunter oh nice the hunter oh yeah i remember who her. was married to i think i printed some pictures of her out at some point <laughs> rod stewart oh oh uh, yes um is he, uh, are the is he power pop are the are the faces Power pop, small faces. Yeah, I think you could. No, they're pub rock, Caleb. You're confusing pub rock with pop, <laughs> dude. Get it? Fucking I don't know. They're uh, yeah, it's tough. They're kind of borderline. Okay, I'm gonna have to do a deeper dive into their bomb rock. It versions of rock. <laughs> well, Rod. I mean, Rod is pure mom rock. Rod the yeah. blood, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Anyways, continue, Caleb. Yeah, so my, uh, my a lot of my history has to do with uh, with Jed, so that's why I brought up that correction. But my, my familiarity with this band um, starts off probably in high school. And Adrian, I think, did, was it a DVD or was it like sometimes you got a CD that came with like a DVD or like a CD you could play in your computer, like CD-ROM basically. But there was a bunch of music videos on it from Matador. Yeah, it was a CD, DVD, uh, little box set, I think. 
Yeah, yeah. Was and it the, had... those Matador samplers that would be like in magazines? No, it was a. I think it was uh, like a fifteen-year. Yeah, remember, Matador. Do you remember 15. those? Though, like I do like, remember those. In like Paste magazine, there'd be like yeah. a sampler and be like a little mixtape. Yeah, yeah you get like a spin, and there'd be like yeah, three songs on there or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but so there was a CD. Then they had like a like music videos of their bands that did music videos. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't remember. I know I know there was like the Cornelius video, which was kind of cool, and then um, I think Matmos. There was a Matmos video. I think yeah. there was a Mogwai video. Yeah, uh, and then a couple of new porno videos. So wait, it was yeah. all like post rock, and then the new pornos just thrown in there. It's no, like, it was a it bunch was whoever of whoever had music videos. So like, so yeah, man's did back in the day. Uh, you know, I think there was also a Pretty Girls Make Grays video. You know, whoever was on that compilation, it, you know, at this point, Matador was pretty eclectic in terms of yeah. their roster. They had like Dead Meadow, and so that was kind of like a stoner rock band. PGMG is power pop. PGMG. <laughs> Nice. So, anyways, yeah, we would uh, we would after school or whatever. I don't know. Could would have been high school, right? At fifteen, because I think we were like two thousand four is when it came. Juniors out. or seniors, probably. Yeah. So that's kind of like when we're like, yeah, we're cool. We're getting into we're getting into indie, dude. It's not all about alt punk anymore. Um, we're driving around, listening to you know, you know your whatever your, your canonical indie. So like you know, Mission of Burma, uh, Pavement, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, so. I saw their video and then it, it kind of like caught my eye. I was like, how many fucking people are in this band? Well, some with the chick with the red hair. And then I was just like, uh, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. They sound kind of neat. I was like, oh, this is India. Cause before I thought India Rock was just like clever punk rock basically. But I was like, oh no, this kind of sounds like whatever, like that 70s show theme song um, mixed in with like commercials music. So I thought it was like at least captivating. It wasn't my thing. You know, I was still into like kind of heavier stuff, but yeah. So that's my first exposure to them. And yeah, I liked it. It was bombastic, but also like sugary. And that was cool. Like contrast, I guess. And then, um, fast forward a couple years later, uh, I was getting together with my lady and, um, bonding over music and stuff like indie rock, but she kind of was into kind of like indie pop, like, um, uh, bands like uh, Fountains of Wayne, especially the the um, the Stacy's Mom record, <laughs> uh, and uh, she was into like Ladybug, Transistor, and Imperial Teen, and uh, the band Beulah. Oh, yeah, um, they're just kind of just like mid two thousands. Um, yeah, it was like cool, clever, power poppy kind of indie stuff, and um, one and then kind of new porno, new pornos kind of fit into that. Um, we would jam electric version a lot too because that was a little bit more straightforward but yeah this album kind of just reminded me of listening to more eclectic kind of indie stuff that had more deeper instrumentation and kind of layering and focus on like you know different kind of vocal dynamics so yeah it, it kind of scratched an itch and like an interest i was getting into and it was like fun we just like drive around like the 154 or whatever down south and you know it's just fun bop our heads you know just uh you know get down to it um and then i remember noah i don't know if this if that that air conditioning newman album came out before or after that the slow wonder one um i think noah burned is before so i don't know if i heard it after or whatever but noah was way into that um and he would he like burned it and played it all all the time i think he would like show me like the case he got from best buys like yeah let's put this on the saturn i think he drove (laughs) up to santa 
to San Francisco or something, listen to it. But um, that album eventually ended up driving me crazy because it's his name's AC Newman. So it was AC and it would be the first thing that would start like on an iPad all the oh, time. Yeah. So you accidentally uh, hit like play yeah. or whatever, or like on your iTunes or Microsoft tunes or whatever it's called. So we'd hear that, um, that, that AC Newman slow wonder. So then after a while, Caleb, you were like Newman. good um and then uh yeah then i kind of fell off and then but then adrian would like evangelize and still kind of does to an extent for um destroyer so i kind of like re-sparked my interest in um you know the the satellite and the universe of bands around new pornographers but um yeah much like the history of this album i don't i don't nothing that deep for me you know other than being a pleasant band that i liked nice um yeah yeah definitely so uh how about you adrian since i kind of stepped on your history too i would imagine yeah no it's all um it's all good it's definitely as you mentioned i had you know i'd heard of the band i had heard um probably a few couple of their songs and then i got that compilation mainly because i was like i like a lot of these bands you know i had Pretty Girls Make Graves, I had Matmos, you know, all the ones that we mentioned before, uh, Cornelius, you know, and that's so why I bought it. And yeah, you know, back then, uh, DVDs, you know, of music videos, that was actually a big thing, you know, is being being able to like, you know, just sit there, throw it on as like a playlist yeah. and just watch all these it's videos. It's either that or you go see like Transformers 1 or whatever <laughs> god-awful wasteland of movies there was. I think this was more of um, Dawn of more. the Dead kind of era of the mid 2000s. But so, yeah, I, I, I really like that compilation, you know, and I, I actually really like the new pornographer songs that were on there. Uh, I think they were both from electric version. I think the the laws have changed and I forget the other one, but the, whatever the two big hits from that record were, they were on there. So I always appreciated them and I'd heard, you know, the records, you just through friends and stuff listening in the car or whatever but for whatever reason i just never really dug into them on my own i never downloaded their record i never really you know sought them out um it was always something that i was like i'll put that uh, that's on the shelf i'll put that on later i'll, I'll figure that out later and i just yeah. never really did until till much later but you know i actually as you're saying i was a huge destroyer fan i loved all of that early 2000s mid 2000s stuff you know i think this was right before uh, Destroyers Rubies was released in 2006, which is, you know, another seminal classic record of the time. But I loved Nico Case. I loved Blacklisted. I really loved uh, The Slow Wonder as well. I thought, you know, I thought AC Newman was great. But uh, yeah, I just, for whatever reason, the band just kind of slipped out of my, you know, interest. Um, even though I did dig into some of the other, you know, I dug into Mogwai, I dug into Matmos, I dug into some of the other, the weirder people from the comp. But yeah, I just, the new pornos escaped me. Uh, but I, I, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I, I was, at the time, I did like Power Pop. I thought it was cool. You know, I, I was a big Weezer fan. But also, the, the you know, everything we mentioned, you know, I really loved Big Star. But it just, it never hit. And Adrian this, wore this platform boots and had like a little bang haircut <laughs> at some point, fellas. Everyone out there is listening. Uh, we had to protect not... him. We had to protect him. <laughs> yeah, it was really out of place back yeah. in 2004. Yeah. And, and he had one like... of those shirts that has like an AK-47 on it and it said defend power pop. 
know? <laughs> he had like checkered suspenders. Yeah. And people would be like, Are you ska? And he'd be like, I'm fucking power pop, bro. And the ska kids would kick his ass. Yeah. Like, that's how bad it was. Oh, no. Oh, let's not. <laughs> Come on, I would have kicked the shit out of the Scott kids for real. But yeah, uh, but yeah, so, aggro ass Scott kids out there though. Yeah, they're always kicking their fucking legs at shows. It's dangerous. <laughs> um. So yeah, that, that's kind of my experience with it at the time. You know, I, I they're a pleasant band. I enjoyed what I heard, but it just I never really got around to it. Nice, nice. All right, Nilla. Yeah, I bought this album in two thousand five. Um, Whoa. I probably bought it probably relatively maybe the week it came out actually at Santa Maria Best Buy. I went to Best Buy today, by the way, a little inside baseball. Oh, I went uh, the other day. Yeah. I got a TV. Oh, I did not. I got a TV and then I got like a. For your porno, for your new porno. (laughs) Um, But I bought this. I'll never forget. I bought this album and I bought Beck, the Weddo album album which had mm-hmm. came out like in the january of of 2005 and i was like oh yeah i like sea change maybe beck's like on a roll here and then i listened to the album and i was like oh okay i don't need to listen to beck anymore like I don't, <laughs> his new albums are kind of of no consequence okay so just... dude that guy plays 24 instruments like how yeah. dare anyone criticize him remember that like racist fucking shit that's exactly what after I was after yeah. the Beyonce won the Grammy. Yeah. There was like this white lash of like because Beck. Kanye saying like they're not listening to us, like like yeah. the people who give out awards, obviously. But it's like are, who are these Beck different... fans that like did not buy that Beck album? They did not listen to it. I'm sure they knew more yeah, they were Beyonce just white, songs. They were just white fans. But they were like, it's like, what is this? 1982? We're talking about sampling music and FYI, Beck's most popular album, Odelay, is pure wall-to-wall samples. So, like, what the fuck are we... What were we talking about in whatever that year, 2013 or whatever? That was a terrible <laughs> argument. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I bought this album with the Beck album, and um, I listened to this album quite a bit. Um, the main memory I have was uh, me and my friend Tim, uh, we took a road trip i believe we actually went up to the bay area oakland and san francisco his sister was living up here and on the drive up there i had just like busted out all my new cds and i had just bought this album and i had just bought the beck album and we listened to it uh on the little road trip and i i'd say it's a solid it was a solid road trip album but then it kind of faded away i didn't listen to any of their albums that came out because they've pretty much released an album every two years for the last 10 15 years um but i kind of just fell off of them and uh yeah like i liked this album but it never like hooked into me like it was never like something i connected with like as a young, like twenty-one-year-old, as like a important album, it was just something. It was really not for us. Yeah, it was just <laughs> something to throw on. But yeah, and I did listen to that AC Newman album quite a bit. I liked that album a lot, but I kind of forgot it existed until we did chose this album. I hadn't listened to that album in fucking fifteen years. But um, yeah, so 
kind of a limited history. I listened to this album for about six months. And I just have like that one good memory of me and Tim driving down the 101, you know, smoking on some trees, listening to uh, the Jessica numbers, just getting high. Trying to see some Jessica, some numbers or some Jessicas at some point. <laughs> throwing on that Beck album, you know, listening to the uh, Jack White feature and <laughs> called it a day. <laughs> It's like we got to San Francisco. We're like, I think we can turn back. I think we've achieved everything we can. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get much better than yeah, this. Yeah, we are truly cultured. Um, but Peaked. this this album, it was also my first exposure to uh, Dan Bejar, uh, for sure. I I hadn't listened to Destroyer until the Destroyer Rubies came out, like a couple years later. I had listened to Nico Case, and I had listened to my brother Zachary had uh, showed me uh, Mass Romantic. The, the debut album from uh, New Pornos. So, yeah, that would be my history. Nothing much there. Yeah. Right on. So uh, why don't we just take a quick little uh, breather and uh, collect ourselves since we're so fired up about this record already. <laughs> we just need to fucking cool off, everyone. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about uh, how we feel about the album. Yeah, rub one out, guys. Aura. Anyways, moving on. Uh, yeah, how do we currently uh, feel about this, having ripped this album recently? Each of us. Who'd like to jump in the fray? Um, I can go. I found this album jarring the first time I listened to it because I just don't listen to this type of kind of exuberant, kind of happy-sounding indie rock anymore. And I, I found this album to be grating on headphones. Oh. I just I think the production there's not a lot of warmth to it. It's like uh sounds clinical or something. Like it sounds overproduced in a way. And then I also played it on my stereo which I could not get through it because I like didn't want my neighbors to hear. It's just not something you want to blast. Who, then, who are your neighbors? Do they write for the quietists or something? <laughs> like are you Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't want them to judge me. I'm usually playing cool music. So, is it Ryuki Sakimura? Is like Ryuki Sakimura? Is that who you're? It's just off brand for me. Neighborist. They're like this guy's usually bumping like Alice Coltrane. Why the fuck is he playing this Canadian trash? But um, anyways, but I had to throw the Canadian in there. Now I will I say, I, I will say, just in my prior history with this album on a road trip listening to it um just this la- uh two days ago me and my wife kiki were driving down the driving up the 101 back from uh, the motherland santa maria i actually was in santa barbara i hadn't been south of santa maria in like two and a half years um mm. santa barbara is fucking gorgeous like i always forget <laughs> the how riviera of the pacific <laughs> yeah it's yeah. so like the sunset, I drove the iconic. I drove through the pass. The, so uh, affordable. Oh God! I drove and through the welcoming to uh, diversity. <laughs> I drove well. the on the one fifty four, um, which is like a beautiful drive. You go through like Kachuma, and I passed my old stomping ground, Neverland Ranch. Never forget. Shout out, uh, MJ. But we were driving home and I was like, oh, yeah, uh, Kiki was like playing the being the DJ 
she's like, what do you want to listen to? I was like, oh, let's put on the uh, Twin Cinema. I got to listen to it again for the for the podcast. And we put it on. And I got to say, it did, you know, like past the time. It's kind of long, kind of meandering a little bit. It gives you a little taste, like the whole different singers kind of breaks up the album in a pretty good way. So I have to say, the ideally to listen to this album, I think is in like a car. Like it's a good driving record so i kind of uh came around to it a little bit just from i think just car stereo is the way to go with this album i just found it is a little too baroque like the lyrics i was not trying to like follow the lyrics at all i was like what are they talking about this is like indie rock gibberish yeah it's kind of like it it goes like it's like you think they're having a lot to say but it just ends up being like word salad and then you can't like you can't even like register any of what they're saying other than like like, some words here and there telling some stories that i didn't really bother to follow i was gonna look up the lyrics but i was like eh, it's probably a bad idea (laughs) Uh, especially if you're driving yeah so i recommend that i just thought it was cool driving and reading cool to listen to while driving I will say though, it's one of those albums, and that's part of the reason why we did this podcast for me was just like a kind of reclamation of like the music that I thought was good in my early 20s, which a lot of it in my teens and early 20s, late teens, early 20s, a lot of that music I still do listen to. But this is one of those albums where thinking about like my 21, 20, 21 year old self, where it's like, I don't even know this person. Like, I thought this album was good. Like, like it's it, it didn't have any there was no um residual like nostalgia or nothing for this album it was just kind of there and it was just like it's neither bad nor good and kiki after the album finished uh she was like so what are your wax and what are your slaps and i was like i don't think i have it's kind of neither nor uh it's it's they do a good job of what they do and that's kind of my reaction but anyways, Caleb. Yeah, very much the same. Yeah, I would say I listened. I only listened to it twice. I listened to it once. I was like setting up the new place, and I was kind of like you know on my feet putting stuff back, you know, kind of working, not really paying attention to it. And then it felt really long, and but it's only forty-seven minutes long. That's not even that long. And um, but yeah, it just felt a little exhausting. And like you were saying, there's just the baroqueness of it can kind of be a little bit. I don't know, weighs on you a little bit. Um, they're just kind of going for a lot. And um, yeah, for me, it's it, it came on that first listen. It came off as like a little too poppy. I mean, obviously it's a pop album, but like kind of in a cloying way where it's like, you know, calling attention to itself and wanting you to see how like clever and committed they are to all this wordplay and all the layering and all that and like referencing 70s music and commercial music and i don't know like and i thought that was i was like okay i get it you don't have to be that fucking clever i know you're already clever so i don't know that was that was a little annoying um so yeah and then it kind of like they're like newer standards just like i couldn't get down with it anymore and then it made me think i was like i don't know maybe was i ever down with it you know hmm. and um i found the ac newman of it all to be kind of flat and i don't, I'm sure that guy's like a really good songwriter community. He's like a student of music and he's like a pretty dope dude. But like, at least on this album, we just kind of, I, I don't understand what he's going for. If he's just kind of being clever for clever sake or like, 
being he's like oh i'm like competent you know and it's just like well you should go for more than competent even if it's like a little off or skewed at least that's interesting you know at least that's kind of transcending something but i don't know i just thought he kind of just weighed it down as kind of flat and calling too much attention to himself and um yeah and i think it like if in in like the time frame that this album was made and got all the hype and stuff i think it was of an era of like maximalism where lots of ideas were confused with good ideas you know and if you could kind of like juggle enough influences and references and um things like that you got you got appreciation you know and people thought you were on to something but you'd like take a step back and listen to it it's just kind of has a pastiche quality to it that's really not personable you know or saying much um and i think but that also kind of speaks to and I, I bring this up a lot like where i am at like musically i tend to listen to music that's a lot more austere and minimal you know things that kind of just explore singular motifs or ideas or things like that to kind of reveal maybe, more Caleb, not meanings. minimal in sound but maybe minimal in kind of direction or yeah direction yeah radically like yeah singular is kind of like the word to it and made by people who are more like more minimal in intellect when it comes to like the metal stuff but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not always no nah, i'm not trying to be a yeah. elitist here maybe but, less um, like white <laughs> in terms of uh representation this is pretty much uh you can compare it to uh, a lot of the metal i listen to <laughs> and uh yeah i also felt like because i like nico case a lot like my brother zachary was really into her and uh wife jen's really into her like we have a good number of her records seen her live a couple times she's great live and i kind of liked her more like kind of dour americana stuff you know i got into her because that uh yeah, that Sam Raimi movie, The Gift, with uh, Kate Blanchett and uh, Keanu Reeves, a bunch of other people, Kenny Holmes. Anyways, oh, yeah. she's on that soundtrack, and I remember we shout out Santa Maria Library. Always comes back to that. We got that on like de- uh, on a cassette, and at the end they had a music video that she did for a song that's on the album, and it's this dope song from a uh, uh, whatever Furnace Lullabies, whatever the album's called. I can't remember what the song says, but it's like this really just kind of, you know, just like that dope like noirish kind of like country stuff that um you know she has a lot of songs kind of in and around that style so i kind of like appreciate her for more of that stuff rather than using her as just kind of like i don't know more or less an afterthought as just kind of some sort of sweet feminine vocals you know yeah. um Caleb, i had to go back and listen to some nico k solo stuff just to like remember what her voice sounded like because i was like is she always sounding this kind of clean chipper and yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah, she, yeah, she it, has just she some an more incredible amount of range and heartbreak and stank, yeah. and they kind of waste the stank. And they well, waste because think... she's the only she's an American member too, and it's, they're like it's like a reverse band situation. Or, <laughs> no, it is a band no, situation. It's <laughs> exactly. exactly the same. <laughs> well, just to comment, <laughs> just to comment on that, I think, she's I think that she definitely. <laughs> I think she definitely cleans it up for the for when she does the new pornos. I think she definitely. I don't know how intentional that is if she, you know, they've talked about it, but I, I definitely think that <clears throat> she goes for a different kind of not register, but she definitely there's more texture on her stuff. And I think it, maybe that she has more time to work on it than I don't know. Yeah. Is, but, yeah, but it also happier. is like I don't want to assume that like they're 
they're using her for things. It's like it might be an interest in music that she has that she just applies in this format rather than her own solo albums yeah. or whatever. So maybe it's right, like exactly. stuff she's interested. I'm not There's, assuming that. I think like, that's less what it is. Her. Yeah, it's just a happier sound from her. There's less sadness, less longing. Yeah, less right. rocking out actually. Like because she has like one of the great yeah. rocker voices, and it's less rocking out. It's still powerful, but it's definitely more subdued than than on her solo uh, stuff. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's just had a different emotional register, and like not th- not really something that works for me. Um, like you were saying, no, it's like kind of too sunny. Even that's from you know Canada. It's weird. Um, but and then I listened to it in headphones the other day at work when I was like doing emails and admin stuff and um i liked it a lot more on the second listen or like it was it felt it was less cloying it was less overwhelming and kind of exhausting you know i was like oh you know what they're pretty interesting lyrics and the way that they kind of harmonize and put everything together is like really good you know and really solid and you could see what they're going for and um yeah and it's like pretty well produced it's like you hear everything pretty well um you know it's just the way they do all the layering and all the different tracking and i'll use all the instruments and like so that part's like good and it's like good songwriting they appreciate and then um but then then again at the end it kind of just left me a little bit flat and checked out just and slightly exhausted you know um just from just kind of how much is going on with it and and you know it's kind of like someone telling you to smile all the time it's like i don't really want to i don't fucking feel like smiling. don't tell me what to fucking do god damn i'll fucking punch in the fucking face Anyways, yeah, so it ultimately, I appreciated it on that second listen and still do and probably have a pretty positive idea of the album, but it's just not for me. And th- and that's okay with me. I think the older you get and when you reflect on things, especially things that you're slightly nostalgic for, it's like okay to come to terms with like, it doesn't have to be like this harsh re-examination of like, who was I? I need to like burn off all the my musical impurities from the past or whatever. It's more just like, oh, it's not for me. You know, it's like kind of shed this skin a little bit so yeah adrian tell us about how much you love this album yeah yeah well what are your thoughts you're not on this far uh, off the mark you're not far off the mark because i think i definitely like this record more than you guys did which is interesting because obviously i have less experience with it than than you did noah and and probably even caleb i think you probably heard this more than i did just judge from what i hearing from about your histories but it very much it was definitely a grower for me as well it sounds like for both of you you know the more you listen to it the more it kind of settled in and you, you kind well, of yeah pornography relaxed into it grow a little bit in ways you <laughs> expected uh boy but um so at first i was like when i first put it on it was definitely like i i get what you guys are saying you know it's definitely very rambunctious might be the wrong word but very it's very yes it's very happy it's very forward it's very i don't know what the right word is but it's it's very flirty well it's very bright very lively <laughs> carefree sexy i, I don't know <laughs> but it, it uh, you know and, and as you're saying like i i don't generally listen to i listen to a lot of exuberant music but generally the the emotion behind that is more is less ecstatic than it is here yeah. um 
And, and I think that can be very jarring for if, especially if you haven't listened to that in a while, Yeah, but it was as shocking to me how happy sounding and how Baroque. The closest thing I could say that I'd still listen to that sounds like this would be like the Kinks. Yeah, well, that's funny that you mentioned that because after listening to this, I dove into the kinks. I dove into, uh, Speaking well, of porno. just Destroyer and and Nico Case solo stuff, um, but definitely you know the kinks. I revisited <laughs> uh, the the Lola versus Power Man album because I think that is wow. Oh, probably nice. a very big influence on this band, um, just judging by the sound of it. Um, But it also like it made me question at first listening to it. I was like, "Is power pop good? It's still good. Like, does it still did it still work in whatever you know, two thousand and five? But then as I listened to it more and more, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, it does. It does work." And and I kind of you know, it started to feel better as a piece of as a whole piece as a piece of art as like a cohesive album. Because at first I was like, it's very much very, there's a lot of songs that are very samey in terms of like tempo, in terms of the texture. Uh, I, I, I disagree, Noah. I don't think it's not warm. I think it's just much more clear than a lot of the records that, you know, we were listening to or liked at the time or Yeah, like now. there's no like fuzz or like Right. reverb or No stink. and even A lot of clarity, even for yes. even for power pop, there's not a whole lot of like guitar shredding going on. There's no shredding, but there's a lot of riffs and a lot of like, a Yeah. lot of great, you know, there's A lot used of to, playfulness, I guess, yes. like instrumentally and like, you know, with yeah. But then the lyrics seem so like dense for a playful, like. That's true. I will see. I still think, I think they are still playful. I mean, certainly a lot of them are stories. A lot of them are weird and a lot of them have non sequiturs. I don't know. Honestly, for me, lyrics are always secondary to the music and to the feeling of it. So I did find myself humming and singing along to stuff, but not necessarily the words, just, just kind of the feeling of the words and the feeling and, and the, the melodies. Cause I think the melodies are very strong And I think he, I think Carl Newman has a very good pop sensibility. I think that his songwriting, especially on this record is, is really great. And the more I listen to it, the more like it stands out as how, even though that a lot of these songs sound very similar, <clears throat> they're all very distinct. And I also think that the way that the album is sequenced where they'll break it up, you know, they'll have a couple of rockers and then they'll break it up with kind of a more ballad thing and they'll let you know uh, they'll let nico case do her thing <clears throat> there's you know or they'll let dan behar get weird with it uh Yeah, you know I wanted essentially to ask you what what you feel about the Danny BJ of it all. yeah i mean honestly i wish there was more of him on here in terms of songs that he wrote i think he only has two that he was the primary songwriter on um i could be mistaken on that but i believe it's just two uh and he, he had more on the last two records But, you know, one of these songs is essentially it's like half a Destroyer song, half a new pornographer Yeah. song. And I really like that. Yeah. Um, but I like I, I like how they they their personality shine through. I like how Nico Case, you know, it, you may not see a lot of her personality per se, but I like how her vocals come through and are very, you know, very different from AC Newman's and they're very different from from Dan Behar's. And I think it all works as a unit. Um, and I really love when they start layering the harmonies. And I think that's very, you know, it's a very classic power pop thing, but it, it just works, especially just the, the textures of their voices and how they play off each other. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. 
and, and so as I listened more and more, you know, things started to fall into place and I realized like, wow, this is actually a very cohesive record. And, you know, it is a little long um, for, I mean, or rather it feels a little long when you're listening to it. Although 47 minutes, as you mentioned, Caleb, that's not really too long. That's pretty standard, actually, I would say for a lot of these records. <clears throat> but the, um, you know, the instrumentation I think is really solid. I really, the drumming, as I listen to it more and more, I really appreciated the drumming. I think there's so many great fills, so many, so many moments where the, the drummer, um, Kurt Dahl, he just, I don't know, he makes very tasteful choices and sometimes they are very maximalist as you're saying, Caleb, but they just work with the songs and, you know, obviously there's a lot of mid-tempo rockers on here, which is very much my shit. You know, I love a good mid-tempo rocker. But yeah, I think I think you could, <clears throat> if you were going to trim anything, I think it would be in that back half because I think there's some songs towards the end which are a little bit, <clears throat> although I like all of them, I think that you could probably cut one or two and, and still have a, a good record. It's just, you know, I think I appreciate it more than you guys did. It's certainly a record. Am I going to return to it? Uh, yeah, probably, but will That's it a fucking be? fucking lie. I mean, I've already listened to it like <laughs> just six or seven times. So, you know, I, I think it'll definitely be something I return to. I, I I also went back and listened to Electric Version. I listened to, to Mass Romantic. And I actually, I think in terms of like just a pure hit, I think Mass Romantic is probably the better record for that. But in yeah. terms of like a cohesive piece of, of art and a cohesive record, I think this is probably their best or one of, if not, you know, one of the two best records that they ever put out. Adrian, um, did you listen to the album that came out with after this one, Challengers? I did. And I listened I to it at the time. I kind of like that one a little bit more. I feel like it's a little bit arty, a little bit weirder, you know, artier and weirder. Yeah. And it's a little less like overly produced, a little less bombastic. And I think the Bejar of it all really, he folds into the record a lot better than he does this one yeah i thought that really blew up on that album yeah which is interesting because now the past couple records he's been he's been absent and i think they even list him as kind of a a former and potential future member but a consultant (laughs) you know i think i think when they came together as this unit i think it really it does work and i really think that in terms of like you don't really see a lot of super, you know, we've talked about super groups in the past and joked around about it, but really you don't see a lot of super groups in indie rock too much. Um, and I think this one really works and you kind of forget that they're a super group and you, you know, cause it just, they do sound very good as a band. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's kind of monsters of folk and that's about it. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that Swan Lake uh, reunion. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that for me. That's my that's my Western Can Canadian uh, super group. Well, did you hear Swan Lake and Zwan are touring? I think Zwan Lake, Zwan Lake, Zwan Lake. Yeah, (laughs) his name Spencer from Sunset Rubdown and Dan. Adrian, did you say your piece? Shall we move on? Yeah, that that about uh, sums it up for me. I think I'm uh I'm I think I'm in uh I appreciate it and I like it better than you guys, but you know, it's still um. It is what it is. Can I ask you guys both a question? So, like, you know, we're, we're all kind of like, a, what do you call it? Uh, cinephiles. What What do you think would be playing on their twin cinema for these guys? Mm. Well, it had to question. be something Canadian. So 
it'd be like uh, you can get american movies in canada i've heard <laughs> it's like literally the biggest export that we have in this country but that's uh <laughs> cronenberg no the other guy adam egoyan Oh, so Caleb, yes. you asked you asked what they would be listening to. It would be what would they be watching on their twin cinema? On their twin cinema, I'd say new pornographers. They'd be watching Adam Egoyan on one screen, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, probably like uh, uh, maybe like a western on the other one. <laughs> yeah, they'd be watching like Adam Egoyan, like Exotica that the movie by him then maybe like like a sarah Pauly movie okay a sarah Pauly western that hasn't been made yet they'll be watching splice and an anatomy goyan movie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, I, think, what would you say? I think they kind of have like a um like a hal ashby kind of like they vibe to it you know like oh, kind of uh, like you know like 70s ish kind of sweet kind of sour though you know so you know whatever harold mod would be on there um and then the other screen something a little more like technicolor you know like maybe something i don't know like i'm not too familiar with movies like this but this kind of like crazy romps like that like the wrecking crew or whatever well they mentioned you know, the wrecking crew and one of the yeah. words, not the song, but they say the wrecking crew in it. Yeah. So like, yeah, some like kind of bugged out, weird ensemble, seventies like romp or whatever. And then yeah, whatever. Adrian, what do you the think? The last detail or something on the other screen, or being there. It would probably be being there. What's, you know, their, be what's their double feature? See, I think that they're gonna be playing two of the movies that they actually appear in. Uh, two seminal movies, actually. One being uh, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, which they uh, contributed to the soundtrack for, and Waiting, the classic Ryan Reynolds movie, oh, which they also God. contributed to the soundtrack. I think that would be their double feature. And, then and this is too. like at a, a Guantanamo Bay, like enhanced interrogation, kind of like movie <laughs> night thing. We got to watch both of those movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then they'd be watching like porno as well. Like, yeah, and then they're like, "All right, behind the green door, baby, uh, let's go." Deep throat. Yeah, I I would go to that movie. I would go to that twin cinema. Um, shout out to the Albany Twin. I think it's the only twin cinema that we have up here in the Bay Area that I can think of at the moment. The Concord Drive-In is two screens. Oh, I okay. I guess we I grew think. up with the twin cinema too, with the the drive-in highway drive. That was just one screen. That's a single screener. Yeah, uh, but then you had the two. Uh, oh, the double feature. Yeah, the double feature. Oh, I guess the that's double different. Feature. That's true. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick little breaker and uh, come back with our whack or slaps. And we're back. And uh, as we were recording this, with all the good Canadian energy we put in the air, the uh, the Habs, as they're the called. Habs, let's go Habs. Yeah, um, French Canadian football club, um, hockey club. <laughs> One, they're going to the Stanley Cup finals. Ooh, first time since '92. Yeah, so it's uh, that's great. Good job, Canada. Turned out some mediocre indie pop and a good hockey team. Let's go, let's go, Islanders! Come on, Nassau County. 
They play in Brooklyn. Nassau Coliseum. Uh, I thought they played in Brooklyn now. Long Islanders, dude. Come on. Show some respect. <laughs> I mean, lots of teams don't play where they say they're from. <laughs> Anyways, um, let's go into our wax. So, um, our yeah. Slaps. Nah, fuck it. Let's do our slaps. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, so, I'm so excited about that hockey game. Score was like one to two. It was a real nail biter. Three to two. OT. Ooh, that's crazy. All right. Well, but yeah. What are your uh, slappers, fellas? Adrian, you set it off because you probably have more slappers than us. Yeah. Well, we have slappers. I uh, <laughs> I have uh, I have a few. I think that we share one, Caleb. So. What do you mean? I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, we got some on there. I'll put some on There's the a few. I think, actually, I think the title track is really great. You know, it's classic starting off the record with a title track. I think that the riff's really cool. I also really like Use It, which is another great track. But the one I want to talk about. For me, Use It. Cool. We'll, uh, we can cover that when we get to you. Um, but the one I want to talk about is uh, Jackie Dress and Cobras, which is the first Dan Behar song on the record. Yeah, Danny Beach. As I mentioned before, um, this song sounds like half Destroyer, half New Pornographers. There's, you know, there's a very specific Destroyer-style piano line that comes in at one point that I just really love. But yeah, you know, I'm a huge fan of Destroyer. I think that Dan Behar is a really great, really interesting songwriter. You know, he's his he's I think he's a kind of a acquired taste, both vocally and lyrically. I think that some people his kind of quirks turn them off and certainly his voice. I know for a fact turns some people off. But to me, he I literally really like sounds it. like the little white linen suits that he wears. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I really I'm a really big fan of his. And I think that he slots in with the rest of the band very, really even though it sounds half like his own band, I think he slots really in slots in really well with the rest of the band here. There's some nice vocal harmonies uh, that are going on throughout the record that he's a part of. But I think here on this specific song, he takes the forefront and it's just, it's, you know, uh, it's one of my favorite tracks from the record, but do you guys have any, uh, any comments, any takes on the, the song? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, jarring, like the first time he, comes in like song number five it's like whoa here he is destroyer coming in yeah i felt that too i had a note that said he only half redeems this album and i think i was referring to the song because like his half is like his kind of singular style of like you know progressive soft rock or whatever i don't know i'm bad with genres especially when it comes to that dude but um i like him i think he's like a really kind of unique uh voice and um yeah i think that song's cool i think it's like a really neat song it kind of breaks up the monotony and kind of the the walloping joy and um sameness that happens before um he comes on it brings some eccentricities to it which i think are a little needed yes let's hear it yeah all right let's start off with a little bit of this the intro which i think is semi-beatles-esque to my ears but uh here is Jackie dressed in cobras. 
So yeah, as you mentioned, it's very much full on Dan Behar in like right in, into the song. And I think I, yeah, I don't disagree that it, it can be jarring, especially compared to the kind of the more smoothness of uh, Nico Case and AC Newman on the previous songs. But here, here is a little bit of the, that kind of classic destroyer sound uh, that I was talking about. Just like the cadence and the rhythm of that, and then the piano line, it's very much Destroyer. And I think, you know, within the year on Destroyer's Rubies, he would, that sound would be all over it. And, uh, you know, he'd really mastered it uh, for that next record. Yeah. I call that like a finger wagging song. <laughs> I was just wagging my finger. You could just picture like... him just like, yeah, just on the dressing floor he's like you you listen to this listen to these yeah he has a way jockey. of like pronouncing things he's very into pronouncements <laughs> and stuff which is cool yeah. i actually like his vocal styles i like how he kind of like has these little asides and stuff yeah yeah kind of um, like come get your bro song yeah get your bro dude <laughs> <Band is this. laughs> yeah no that's a that's a that's a good jammer nice all right um, what's next uh slapper for me yeah i'm gonna go the third song use it um i think it has a good rollicking piano riff i like the pianos on this album there's a lot of synth on this album that i don't particularly care for but just the straight up piano i like uh, and it kind of has like a reminds me of a little bit of like an elo song and i've been getting mm. i've been re I've always been into ELO, but I've been recently been listening to them a lot. So I kind of like so it. much so that you told our uncle that we would record a podcast with him in oh, which we yeah. cover an ELO album. Uncle Ken <laughs> coming on, Mr. Blue Sky, baby. Oh, yeah. Classics. When we yeah, when we hit the classics, that's definitely up there for sure. <laughs> it's the kind of thing you agree to when you've had like 14 cores. <laughs> <laughs> No, we loved you, it. That'd be fun. You could play it from wherever. Just play it from the top. It has a good piano part at the top. Some good drums, too. All right, I'll play it from the top, and then I do have a couple of uh, moments. There's a there's some nice vocal harmonies that come in a little bit later, but uh, here is track three, Use It. Get to a little bit of these vocal harmonies.
Yeah, very rollicking. Great, great drums on this track for sure. Yeah, nice. Right on, Caleb. Yeah, the one slapper I want to highlight is uh, actually Adrian. Is the Jessica numbers the one that we agree on, or is that a different one? Oh, I guess we agree on but on two of them. Jessica numbers as I had slappers. Jessica oh, numbers as I had is an honorable mention, but um, okay. Yeah, so let's go there. I like I like this song. It kind of sounds like a toss off when you first hear it, mm-hmm. but. I don't know. I think it's like uh it has it has like a cool riff, you know? It's, it's like, like a white stripes riff. A little bit. It kind of channels the Pac Northwest. It's a little grungy. You made a little like, you know, some minor mud mud honey kind of bass riff or whatever. And it's it's a lot more simple than their songs. It doesn't like attach a lot of other more baroque um kind of, you know, elements to it. It keeps it a little bit more charged and going um yeah and i think it's fun and i really like the interplay of the vocals i think like the way that they layer the vocals over that kind of just that central slightly heavy monotonous riff um, i think really works well as like a nice counterpoint and um yeah it kind of shows that it's not all about this kind of high kind of levels of sunshine and things it's a little bit more i don't know grounded in a way that um is off not found on this album so a highlight for sure nice do you have a a moment you want to highlight or i have a couple here just i think the yeah if you have a couple i think like the beginning or like something close to the beginning where kind of where they come in with the riff and then they you know they like drop the vocals on there after that little crescendo something around there and then yeah whatever parts you have yeah it's a it's a shorter song too so can't go wrong we'll start off with the with the intro um, and actually, a lot of the intros to these songs, they they really start off with a bang. But yeah, here, they really go into it. No dicking around. Yeah. Um, here's a little bit of the Jessica numbers. Yeah, their voices sound really good together on this track. Yeah, totally. Here is a little bit of the chorus. shins action right there yeah there's some, definitely shins. some moments where i was like this is very much very shins very uh i forget the name of his other band but very much that Broken dude's bells? style very much yes <laughs> very much that dude's style uh, uh, kevin spacey looking motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> ouch um but here's i just also wanted to play a little bit there's a little guitar solo here that i think is actually really fun Yeah, 
that's one of the few heavy moments on this yeah one. i'm a real big fan of distorted bass um because that's the only yes. way i was ever able to competently play that instrument um any instrument really um and i i think it's like it's a really cool way to kind of like cut through the, the sweetness of everything else yeah i mean this one's just really is a straight up rocker um yeah, yeah i like garage know. pop pump pop power pop all right What's guitar power rock power yeah <laughs> anyway so uh do you want to talk about the common one we have adrian and then we can uh move on yeah let's let's close it out with uh unless you had another one noah uh, well, I had uh, Streets of Fire, which Caleb had, mm. I think, as a whack. Okay, we'll, uh, yeah, whack we'll with save a, with that. A caveat. We'll save that for that. Yeah, um, so, so, yeah, I think the one that we both shared, Caleb, was Sing Me Spanish Techno, which yes, I believe is, um, <laughs> I believe is, if it's one of their big, biggest songs, if not, well, it's one of their most well-known, and I think it was one of their bigger singles, um, mm. along with some of the stuff from from Electric Version. I think this is probably one of the ones that more people have heard of. But to me, this is just a great, a great pop, yeah, a great pop rock song. It's just, it's a very catchy song. The lyrics are very, you know, very hummable, very singable. The melody's great. Uh, I really love the guitar riff on it. Uh, I just think this is like really solid and I really like that it comes right in the middle. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the perfect like pivot because they go into kind of a more ballad thing right after. And then the the back half of the record, it's kind of the perfect kind of pick me up right in the middle to kind of get you through to the rest. But yeah. Well, what are your thoughts on it, Caleb? Yeah. I just think it's like a really solid power pop joint um, and has like, has that really sweet like vocal bridge. And that's just like really you know, signature to them, um, really signature to this album. And like you said, it kind of comes right in the middle and it really kind of announces itself. I do have a quibble with the lyrics. Um, techno is a beat oriented music and with minimal vocals. So I don't know how you sing somebody's <laughs> Spanish techno. Yeah. Have you guys ever heard Spanish techno? I'm sure there's know. some cool shit you could find. I mean, I'm, well, you know? I mean, I'm very into uh, the Bailey, 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 yeah yes which Blair is a little Pop. bit different it's a little bit more down tempo yeah, that's like your kind of a biza kind of chill out stuff but yeah abiza yes yeah um i mean italian yeah. disco is cool why can spanish techno be cool <laughs> well i think it's i think it's kind of a joke honestly i think yeah, that yeah they, totally i think it's specifically they're like oh this is funny singing techno yeah. Um, but yeah I'll, yeah, I'll play a little bit of that i think i think this is kind of what you're talking about caleb that kind of yeah. um the vocal uh the vocal bridge here right yep whatever And then let's get to a little bit of the chorus here. Sorry, what, what were we gonna say? Here? I was gonna say that just reminds me of like a like a dance you would do at like whatever some sort of festival. It's like you kind of just like reach to the sky and just kind of trot a little bit, you know, it's kind of like the indie rock ecstatic <laughs> like the hippie dance. dance. Yeah, but hippies <laughs> go out and flare out. I feel like indie, like you kind of do it tighter to your body and go up and like yeah, you, know, you keep a less invasive, you know, a little more a little more movement. insular. Yeah, it's a little more insular, exactly. 
Um, yeah, so here's a little bit of the chorus. Yeah, I I don't know. It's a great song, and I think that riff is really great. I really love the guitar with the kind of um, vibrato on it, and totally. yeah, it's just it really it really works. Yeah, it's a catchy little number, as our um, hero would say. Is that it for the slaps? I think that's all of our yeah. uh, all of our slaps. It's all of yeah. our slaps. I think we should though. I didn't really have it as a slap, but it's the song I remember the most from this album. Is the Bleeding Heart show? Mm. Oh yeah, because I, I have that, that as an honorable mention. Because I think that kind of sums up what these guys are all about. Although, can you play like towards the end where they go into that, like, kind of? Uh, it almost <laughs> it almost sounds like praise music, like <laughs> Christian rock. Almost in my in my it's notes, very, I like, have it. Harmless. There's some joyful no- noise on this record for sure. <laughs> I'll I'll play so I think I know what you're talking about because I wrote it down in my notes as kind of a Lumineers moment. I think that that band, oh, yes, hey, Lumineers oh. moment. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. I think that this Wait, is that kind is of the, a... is that the Lumineers? People always talk about the Lumineers, but I don't I kinda know. I kind of like that song though. I don't know what it's very catchy. About. They're the hey, they're the oh. hey ho. Yeah, they kind of sound like he, a like a tech company cult music. The Bowery's, oh, yeah, they've, it's they've got definitely they've, commercial music, like as in it would be made, a commercial. They probably made more money the Lumineers playing like Google corporate events than they ever have touring or selling. <laughs> yeah, um, here's a little bit of that Thanks sound for, uh, illuminating me there about them. <laughs> here's a little bit of that sound that I'm talking about here. Give it up for the Lord, guys. Come on. It also Jesus sounds like the ultimate hippie, if you think about it. Jesus loves you. He Jesus rocks. was indie, baby. I think that that part also sounds like it would be in like a um, like a pills commercial for like some kind of like depression yeah. stuff. Like, it's literally, like you got your boner you back. from depression, please call yeah. your doctor. Yeah. The last scene of uh, Shrill season three. That's how it closes. Um, but play shrill. like the last <laughs> going after shrill. Dude. The last twenty seconds of that song was like the hey la hey la. Yeah, here's here's a little bit of that. Uh, what you're talking about? They're really uh, testifying on this one. If your boner lasts more than four hours. <laughs> Call you a girlfriend. Yeah, it's like two old people holding hands in a yeah in a bathtub. bathtub. It's like playing guitar in a bathtub and mountain climbing. Or a guy that has arthritis and he can't play guitar, and then he like takes some pills and he's like, "Oh yeah, I can sing this techno." I can finally wear this fedora (laughs) I've had my eye on. (laughs) He can't put his fedora on his head. (laughs) 
It's like try the cabbie hat. You can't put like the newsies cap on either. Uh, All right. Um, I had one more slapper, but it's also a whack for Caleb. So it'd be a good transition. Yeah. Uh, Streets of Fire. The second yes. to last song. Because I and think the, it, sorry, uh, the other Dan Behar song. The other one. Because I think it breaks up the album in a way. I think they needed more low key songs like this on this album because it becomes mm-hmm. a little one notey. And it's there's the best. a handful of them for sure, but not in, yeah, there could be one not or enough. two more. I think it's the best of the Bejar songs. Yeah. I mean, we could listen to a slice of it, but like, like I was saying, I have a note that nothing's really that galling on this album where it's like, oh, this is totally whack, you know? They're doing what they do really well and like, it's whatever. But I think this song is just, I don't know, kind of comes out as a little corny and, um, I don't know, a little too self serious. And like I said, it kind of just, I don't know. I also Even really, though it's wrapped in playfulness, it's just, I don't know, it, it's just a little bit too, like, kind of grasping at profundity. And I, I also know, really like... makes me a little uncomfortable. Sounds I like also, filler. Yeah. I also really like the Walter Hill movie, Streets of Fire, so maybe that's probably <laughs> what it is. <laughs> Check that movie out. I think it's streaming on Netflix, oddly enough. That movie has been kind of reclaimed in the last, like, year or so. There's My a lot favorite of Walter Hill movie is The Assignment. <laughs> good movie um that movie didn't catch any shit did it <laughs> uh well here is a little of streets of fire in the street let's sully every stage we meet lick my lips twist my hips for contessa i already did Another destroyer song in the middle of uh, a new pornographer's song, basically. Sounds the most like pornograph, like actual porn music adjacent. That'd be a swanky porno. It's kind of sleazy. <laughs> yeah, here's a little bit more of uh, the the latter section where they get a little bit more instrumentation. More like fire in these yeets. <laughs> it definitely sounds to me like a latter half song, like record song. Like yeah. it, it's definitely like not quite filler, but it's not. It's like it's side not four. Some, right. It's it's, it's, it's it's a little come down. Yeah, exactly. See you. I'm down. Yeah, totally. Um, any all right. Other... Any other yeah. things we're talking about track track wise? The whackers, right? I personally, even though I said that I think that there could be some cuts here, I I wouldn't cut anything, but I don't know. Did you guys have any other wax? Yeah, it's kind of like there's nothing that like angers me, but there's nothing that like. There's nothing egregious. Yeah, uh, I think the second song, Bones of an Idol, which is primarily um, Nico Case. Yeah. I just think you'd. Adrian, you said how you like those mid-tempo rockers. This song is mid-tempo for sure. It's just, just boring. Like, I don't know. There's, it does kind of have like a cocktail, cocktail twins riff 
in the middle of it. Um, it has a little bit of a flaming lips sound at times, but it just yeah. kind of it threw off the album because the Twin Cinema, the opening track, is such like a kick the door in, and this one just kind of slows things down. Is ladder flaming lips power pop? Like oh. orchestral power pop? I would say early Psych flaming pop? lips. Psych pop. Yeah. Who cares? We'll do. The, we'll do that <laughs> yeah, we we'll get to you. But uh, maybe the best part of this song, I'd say it comes at like the 115 mark. But um, I just think Nico Case's vocals on this just sound like not like her. And this is an example of it. But maybe play the 115 mark because I think that's the best part of the song. I just didn't love this song. All right. Here's a little bit of Bones of an Idol. Boing. I wish it was just like an instrumental. I feel like the lyrics are kind of just kind of bores me a little bit. Yeah, it's not. It's not the most interesting song. I like it, and I think she does her vocal performance is is pretty good on it. It's actually I think it's great on it, but yeah, maybe it's not. Maybe she's not used to her full effect. Um, yeah. But I think that's a choice, you know. Uh, and you know, it's less than three minutes. It's such a quick song. I did. It doesn't really bug me too much. But I get what you. I see what you're getting at. And then one more whack. I think three or four. Sounds like some Maroon 5 shit. It's obnoxious. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's definitely some white boy soul kind of kind of thing. Right? Ooh, fake funk? Fake stank? Yeah. Fank fake stank. Yeah. Sounds like filler. It's too long. They could have shaved like three songs off of this album. Yeah. Here's here's a little bit of three or four. I, I don't disagree with you, but it to me, it, it's fine. I don't, I wouldn't kick it off, but. Here's yeah. a, that's a here's perfect a, song to go into our ratings after because uh, that's, that's my options for uh, so. <laughs> oh, <a little laughs> preview. Here's three or four. It's a little Arctic Monkeys, don't you guys think? Yes, uh, if I listened to them, I would know what you were talking about. That, f- that one part is definitely very Arctic Monkeys. They have that kind of swaggering yeah. style to them. Kind of obnoxious. Yeah, not great. Not great. Right. As as I previewed uh, earlier. Did, sorry, did you have a wax agent or we're, we're good, no, right? Okay. We're good. All right. Like I previewed earlier in the last segment, we'll go into our uh, individual ratings and then we'll do our collective ratings. So what are you guys giving this album? I have to give it a 6.9. I mean, it's pornography. <laughs> it probably should be a closer to a 7, but whatever. I'm giving it a 6.9. All right. There's no nice. way it's a 9.0. Yeah. No, that's nine, way too generous. Nine, go, 9 feels very high. I totally get why they gave it that at the time. But I'm going to go a full a full 10, 10 degrees lower. I'm going to go 8.0. I think it's a very solid record. It's a great record from them, but uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think it's um, reaches the echelon of. I think I can't remember what other nine point we did, but I think it was like uh, the what, what was was it yeast, and then there was another one that was uh, like nine point oh. 
but I don't think it quite reaches those heights. I think, but I think an 8.0, pretty solid, you know, kind of on the precipice, but still a best new music. That's, that's kind of my vote there. Yeah. I'm going to give it like uh, a tribute to uh, the year deep throat came out. I'm going to give this a 7.2. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to totally shit on it, but I don't know. It's, it's like I said, it's not for me, but I think like when you get it around the low sevens, it's like, I see what you're doing. I appreciate it. Keep it up, but it's not for me. So that's where I'm at with it. All right. Add it up. Add it up. Add it up. Just pass it around. And that comes out to a 7.4. That's exactly right, I think. Yeah. It's a little low for my our, taste. But I think our collective I wisdom always, you know, corrects. But, um, right. but it, yeah. uh, I would just say it's not an album that, like, if we were chilling with the homies and drinking some beers, you're not putting this on. This is a party killer. So yeah, it's seven. I think, but it totally is. But I think there is enough people in the world who think it's not a party killer and they just equate like pop fun, good time, like sunny music with like party shit. And like, I think this has mistakenly been put on probably nowhere near Santa Maria, California for like a barbecue. But like, <laughs> I, I feel like some like kind of out of touch indie like kid yeah. somewhere has been like, oh, this is a fun party and has like tried to put it on and to varying results. I would say. See, I think that putting on the whole record probably wouldn't work. But if you throw on a couple of these tracks in like a barbecue mix, I think it'll work. I think you could throw in Spanish techno or, you know, one of the other rockers. And I think it, it fit in the whole one, the whole record, though. Yeah, no, that's going to bring a bit people. of a it's going to yeah. bring it's going to be too mid tempo for people. Yeah, totally. for sure. Totally too easy rocking. Alrighty, and that's all doesn't matter because there's only one scale that matters. The smooth scale. So, how does this compare to smooth? How are you guys going to rate this on the well, smooth Maybe say curve? the scale again, Kill, since it's been so long. Yeah, you're right. So, would you rather listen to the number of tracks on this album or listen to a Grammy Award winning 1999 hit Smooth by Carlos Santana featuring Rob Thomas and Matchbox 20 from the Platinum album's Supernatural an equal amount of times? Yes. I think smooth, <laughs> smooth, to put it in porno terms, smooth teabags the shit out of this album. Well, um, but, wow. but it would it to... would fall in. You could put this. You could put smooth in the middle of this album. I don't think anybody would notice. That's what I was to, gonna say. Yeah. Some does think... have an eclecticism to it. Where, I think yeah. you could slot this in, or at least you could slot in uh, uh, Carlos and Rob Thomas into this record, and I think they'd fit right in. Yeah, yeah. People would, uh, people would bat an eye. Yeah. So what I would do is I'd get like a number generator and just do like however many tracks are on the new pornos album just like whatever number comes up have that mixed in in between whatever like after three or after four or whatever and then see if anyone notices be a little social experiment <laughs> nice yeah all right um whatever happened to this band they went on to make albums and be somewhat successful and well known. They're still going they got they came out with the album like 2019 yeah, and um, I think I just saw AC Newman announce some a tour with Nico Case, uh, a, a joint tour. So that's probably going to be pretty killer. Uh, but yeah, they've they put out a, I think like four or five records since this one. I don't know. I they'd never really reached the heights of in terms of popularity, in terms of like uh, critical acclaim of this record. I think everything after this has been kind of not hit or miss, but it's quite it hasn't quite hit the same mark uh it's kind of midland 
Yeah. And, you know, I've listened to like, as you mentioned, uh, you mentioned um, Challengers, you know, there was Brill Bruisers or whatever that one was called and a couple of others where where I thought there's, you know, a, a handful of tracks from from the past 10 years that are that are really good. But overall, I think, yeah, I think that those first three records were just really solid. And I think this one, you know, this is kind of their peak. Yeah, for sure. Nice. All right. Um, just one final uh, entertainment weekly gave this a hundred percent an A plus. Oh, That's wow. About- it's about right. And uh, just also on a final note, I was thinking about this album a lot, and I was like, it's kind of purient power pop peppered with precious <laughs> pinches of psychedelic pulses, prime with puny punches, pummeling the listener with progressive pomp, pulp, and pub rock. That's just what I thought. I, and I love how you <laughs> threw in the shout out to pub rock in there, not power pop. <laughs> Yeah. And up next, um, we have our game, which I think is uh, pretty appropriate because a lot some of this album has little spots that sound like seventies like uh game show themes. <laughs> so <laughs> it does. Um okay, for sure. so for the game, I had to go with another name that super group. Yeah. Um, so I'm just gonna give you members of a band and you tell me which super group they comprise. Um, we played this a few times, so I hope I didn't repeat anything. I don't think I did, but who cares? Nobody will remember. <laughs> okay. I think it's worse if you don't repeat something because that just shows the state of music that we could play like four rounds of a super group game. Oh, you know? God. <laughs> There's hundreds. like an endless well to draw from. There's so many. <laughs> I mean, Canada alone has a bunch. Okay. So first things first, this, this first one. My God, you're not going to get it, but it's hilarious. <laughs> okay, we got uh, Jim McCartney the third, Taylor Goldsmith, and Matt Vasquez. Do you know who any of those people are? No, I don't know who any of those people are. So, Matt Vasquez, uh, we went to fucking high school with him. Yeah. <laughs> These are the Vasquez brothers. Yeah, it's um, kind of an asshole. So McCartney the third is from Deer Tick. Okay. Yours, Taylor, dude. My dude. Brian, Brian, uh what's it the anchor's name? Brian um the one that was lying. Brian Williams. Brian Williams. He would always drop Deer Tick in his shit back in the day, I remember. Yeah, it's because he's a cool commentator. Yeah, he's he should funny. have spent a little less time trying to be a comedian. And a little more time trying to be a fucking journalist. Stop, <laughs> stop trying to uh, impress. You don't have to if you're already rich. Stop trying to impress David Letterman. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Keep going. With Taylor that. Goldsmith is from Dawes. Remember when Dawes oh, was boy. being slammed down our throats? You Dawes. know what? I think the Lumineers uh, like fucking market they corrected took their for sheen, Dawes. Dude. Yeah, they totally did. Well, it was like, do we need two Jeff Tweedies? It's like, I guess we do. <laughs> Dawes. Do we need a shittier Jeff Tweedy out there? I knew no. so many people that were like, dude, I'm going to the Dodge show. You want to come? And it's like, no, I don't. That guy's like middle of the road crap. Um, what's the third? Uh, what's Matt the third Vasquez year? is from our old indie rock stalwarts, Delta Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have I, any idea what this is? 
God, you're probably going to say it and we're just going to be like, fuck you. That's a fucking super group. You're going to think it's a fake name. I'll give you a hint. Me and Caleb, or no, not Caleb. I am the, so if you think of my family, I am the title of this band. But you're not. There's an even amount of us. I know, but if you think I'm in the... Not in the top, not in the bottom. I'm in the middle. The middle, middle children? Sibling? Middle brother. Middle brother. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> middle weird. brother with Deer Tick, Dawes, and Delta Spirit. So they played, I believe they played the Tiny Mixtape Festival, the first and only. <laughs> R.I.P. Seems like a weird band to be at that, but. No, I don't think. Tiny mixtape had a festival, but I was just joking. Oh. <laughs> All right. So yeah, that was a little esoteric. I don't think they nobody nobody knows who Middle Brother is. No, I think you made it up. I think this is a Mandela. Yeah, that band doesn't exist. In action. Okay, here we go. This is one that I'm not sure if we've done before, but uh Duff McKagan, Des Candina. Whoa, what? Michael yeah. Berrigan. Taz Bentley and Dave Dieterer. All right. I, at first, I was like, I know what this is, but now I'm I'm very so Duff McKagan of, of the Farts, right? The of the Velvet. It wasn't Velvet Revolver. No, not Velvet Revolver. He was in a. He's been in a number of supergroups. I was thinking of another one. Wasn't um, he in Velvet Revolver? I think he was. He was in Velvet Revolver. Yes, yes. he was. Okay. That's due for a revisit. I think those guys are pretty pretty damn good. Of course, and then Des Candina, of course, is uh, Black Flag. Black Flag, famously, yes. Michael Barag- Baragana is Plexi. I don't know what the fuck that is. Okay. Taz Bentley is the Reverend Horton Heat. What? Oh, God. Oh, wow. Yes. What, is, Psycho- what is the Reverend Psychobilly. What do they even sound yeah. like? I never heard that. Psychobilly. Though. It's like upright bass. It's like, we were doing the bunch of cocaine in the desert, Texas. <laughs> and you know who it's, like, it's like, it's like kind of like Repo Man punk rock vibes. I don't know. <laughs> Dev Dieter is? No. He's from our old friends, Pot USA, president oh, shit. of the United States of America. Do you have any idea what this band is called? Uh, the rehabs. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. They share the name with the uh, fourth uh, Velvet Underground album. Loaded? Yep. <laughs> wow. You know what's right. funny? They're probably all sober dudes, too. And they have to just draw on their well, experience. Do you ever hear that story how Duff was like Duff the of last... the farts. Duff McKagan was like the last man to see... Kurt Cobain alive? Yeah, they on uh, on that plane ride back to Seattle. Yeah, Kurt he ultimately just, like, killed himself. Jumped a fence from rehab, and I guess Duff yeah. was actually reached out to him and was like, "Man, you're in bad shape. You should try to get sober. Like, do some." This is Duff McKagan saying that. Yes, because <laughs> Duff like he got sober doing like kickboxing. He's like, "Come to my dojo. I'll help you out." Because he lived in Seattle too. Cause he's from Seattle. Yeah. So he's like, he's like, come on, dude, come Fast to my back, house, baby. come to my house. I'll help you out. And they like exchanged numbers. And then he like died the next day. Jesus. Super sad. Yeah. Well, from what Duff I understand, he's like a good guy. 
that's what I was about to say. From what I understand and everything I've oh, heard, cool. Duff seemed like, yeah, seems like the most level headed and the most, uh, the he coolest. Has a, dude he wrote a band. good article, I think it was for like Spin Magazine about like being a rock star and how hard it is to be sober because nobody wants you to be sober. So you talked yeah. about like how, what a challenge it is. It was like a pretty, pretty cool. It's like a full on like three page essay. Like I would, I'd recommend reading it. Hmm. Nice. Shout out huge, Duff. huge Prince fan too. Yeah. Okay. Then here we go. This one, <laughs> this one's a fun one. You might, you guys might know this one. <laughs> Davey Havoc. Oh God! Uh, London May, Todd Youth, Steve. Rest Zing, in peace, Steve Zing. Okay. Do you remember this? So you know who Davey Havoc is? Yeah, I kind of remember called, this like, happening. Were they called like sex cells, but they were spelled uh, all weird? You got the alliteration right. SS. SS. Uh, yeah, I. Oh God. London it's, May of Tiger it's Army. Tip of my tongue. I definitely Todd remember Youth when this was released. Magic. Danzig and Sam Haim. So that's a hint. And he was also in uh, uh, the, the Murphy's Law. He's he's no longer with us. Yeah. Um, this band is Son of Sam. Son of oh. Sam. Tasteful. Tasteful. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Did you guys get into that, Son of Sam, at all? No, like, but as I said... Like I... David Berkowitz? No. <laughs> oh, like... I'm definitely into to the killer, but not the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've seen Todd Youth in another uh, super group live before he passed on. Uh, and they were pretty good. What was it? They're called Blood Clot. It's with uh, Johnny Blood Clot from uh, Chromax singer. Um, <laughs> Todd Youth himself playing How guitar. Hi, old age. Um, what's his name? Nick <laughs> Nick Oliveri. <laughs> from- oh boy. From Kutza and uh, Kaya, the non-problematic and, Nick Oliveri, uh, Blatz, and um, and the drummer was the drummer from Kutza, the the dude, I forget his name. Uh, oh, the the caveman looking dude, I believe. Yeah. How did Todd Youth the drummer? How did Todd? I do not know. Probably. I mean, come on. <laughs> he could have been straight edge, dude. He was in Wazon. He died of young age. For for yeah, I don't know. Okay, he was in Wazon. Todd DeLong, or sorry, Tom, Tom. DeLong. Oh, uh, David, David Kennedy, and Travis Barker. Is this Angels and Airways or whatever? Close. Is this hate. Um, this is one of the mini Travis Barker supergroups. It's not the Transplants. No, close. Same year. I believe. God damn it! What is it? God damn it. What was this band? Uh, uh, Boxcar Racer. Yeah. Ah, there we go. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I listened to way too much of that hanging out at her friend uh, at the Bichak's house. Remember the transplants, yeah. man? I knew so many punk rockers that were like legitimate punk rockers yeah. that were into like real punk rock. And they're like, transplants, dude, they're good. It's like, shut the fuck up. No, it, you... it was the cringiest shit even then. Yeah. Like, like what is rap? It's like, dude, rock. it's rap and punk. I'm like, okay. That doesn't, I, I remember distinctly somebody went to high school with was like, dude, they're good. It's rap and punk. And I said, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. <laughs> yeah. We already have like the beastie boys. Yeah. Um, all right. Here we go. Mark Hoppus. Oh, okay. Travis Barker. <laughs> okay. 
and Shane Gallagher. Is this one Angels and Airwaves? No, that was Hop along with, was Angels and Airwaves. Yeah, Mark know. Hoppus. Oh, sorry, Mark. Mark was diagnosed with uh, cancer yeah, recently. Cancer. Yeah, right. Uh, prayers he's up. A, he's a yeah, nice more power to you, man. Yeah, he's, he's a prayers good up dude. for Mark. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys um, remember okay. this one? So I would say, just as a hint, it's probably the age that Mark Hoppus is now. Link forty-four. Close. Forty-four. Oh, Forty-four is in the title. It's not a word. It's a symbol. A symbol. Yes. Not minus, but. Oh, plus forty-four. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh God, that's so Jesus generic. That's from like a Christ. Fat Records like band name generator. It was so funny that <laughs> Travis Barker is like the peacemaker, where he's like, "Well, shit, man, I gotta be in like both of you guys' band. Can we just make this Blink One Eighty Two money all the day?" And he's in the Aquabats, and he's in fucking doing solo stuff. And translate, translate. I think he dates a Kardashian now too. He was married. Travis to Barker. That. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, Chloe or mm. whatever. Or no, the other one, the older one. He was married to the woman that was in that show, Pacific Blue. It's like the bike cop. Yeah. Oh, with Mario Lopez. Yeah, she was hot. <laughs> All right. Oh, one more, real quick. Uh, Dean Del Rey, Mark Marin. <laughs> oh no, Mark Marin, and uh, Tom Sharpling, and John Wooster. Okay, this is made up. I know Dean Del Rey and uh, Marin rock out together. They have a podcast together now, a new one. Um. Sharpling and Wooster to Sharpling and Wooster comedy duo. I don't know. Ghost comedian? (laughs) It's a ghost pod. Ghost pod. Oh, nice. That's not too bad. (laughs) And their album is called uh, Ghost of the Cast. Nice. Nice. All right. That's Uh, it. That was a silly one. That was fun. Yeah. Those are some stumpers. Keep the super groups coming. Yeah. God, there's so many more. There's so many. There's There's so many more. I mean, there's. I mean, like I'm gonna 10. have to. I'm gonna do research. Like, I'm bored at work. Just Wikipedia. Travis just, like, Barker. If you go on Pitchfork tomorrow, there'll be announcements like Travis Barker starts supergroup with, <laughs> like her. And after a while, <laughs> you get to a point. <laughs> yeah, it's like her Nigel Godrich, who is also in every fucking supergroup for some reason nowadays. Flea. Oh yeah, Adams of Peace, baby. <laughs> it's basically well, another Adams one. Of, it's basically Adams of or whatever. Peace. Yeah. It's basically Adam's a piece, but with uh, Travis Barker on drums and her. Well, after a point, though, if you're so popular, you can't even start a regular band, right? You have to start a super group because that's like the only people you know. And you you can't just find randoms to play in a band with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can't trust like poor musicians. You got to be like, we're we're all rich. You're going to rip me off. Yeah. All Crazy. Right. All right. Well, that was fun. You're a super group of guys. So what are we doing um, for next week? Next week, we get high and we get low. We're going to the moon and Antarctica by Modest Mouse, which I like to call trad indie rock. So, um, <laughs> yeah, this might be one of our first like straightforward heavy hitter indie rock heavy hitters. So, um, yeah, MM, they're big. 
Yeah. Twilly. Shout out to that Twilly if you're listening. Twilly, we want to hear from you, dog. We want that voicemail. Tell yeah, us. Yeah, dude, how we're calling you out. Life. You gotta leave a let your kids, you know, your kids can look back and listen to it and uh <laughs> see how cool you were when you were modest Tyler back in the two thousands. <laughs> yeah, talk so. about your uh listening to this on vinyl. Yeah, baby. All right. So yeah, join us for that. That's gonna be fun. Uh we had a great list of episodes uh that are coming up uh, starting next week. So really excited about that. So thank you for listening. Uh yeah, our new episode should be up on Thursdays again going forward. And um yeah, give us a holler um on our social medias. We're at Wacker Slaps. Give us a talk on the email. We're at wackerslaps at gmail.com. Thanks, Adrian, for uh, all your production work and taking out all the loose bits that don't work. Thank you, Noah, for creating all the loose bits that do work. And uh, thanks to Kiki for our theme song. It's a it's a, it's a good one. And um, thank you to my wife, Jen, for not uh, leaving me for outing her as a Fountain of Wayne's fan. First two albums only, though, with that caveat. And uh, for Noah and Adrian, I'm Caleb, and this has been Wacker Slaps. And as always, we ask the eternal burning question of what made Milwaukee famous? Ooh, hit the music. All right. Peace. Bye.